This is Jeff Cross, and welcome to the April 8th, 2022 edition of Views on the News from the Couch, a baby boomer's attempt to pass along his views on the news. This show is now available on Google Podcasts and later today may be on Apple Podcasts. It is currently on Spotify. Time for the quick hitters. Sun Jae-im leads the Masters at 5-under. Yeah, I never heard of him either. Tiger Woods is tied at 10th and is at 1-under par. If Tiger can walk today, then he is in the thick of it. Mortgage rates top 5%. That is insanely high compared to a few months ago, or insanely low compared to the 80s. I have been warning about interest rates rising for years. Rather than meaning I am now right, feels more like a stop clock being correct twice a day. Nancy Pelosi tests positive for COVID. I wish her well. Russia was suspended from the Human Rights Council due to atrocities in Ukraine. Russia responded by quitting the council. After doing yesterday's episode, I felt guilty that I had based my Senator Tom Cotton comments on a relatively short quote. I chastised myself for not doing more due diligence. I searched and found an interview of Cotton with Fox News after the speech on the Senate floor criticizing Supreme Court nominee Brown for defending terrorists. It shows my understanding of what he said was correct, but that is not why I am revisiting the issue. I like that the Fox interviewer asked a question and Cotton defended his position that she should not have defended terrorists, a position with which I disagree. The interviewer drilled down a time or two, clearly thinking Cotton had gone too far, and Cotton stuck by his guns. No yelling, questioning, and not friendly softball questions. I feel Cotton was wrong, but like this interview. We need more interviews like this. Misinformation is like body odor. We are all against it, but only notice it when the body odor comes from someone else. Former President Obama was at the University of the Sh- Chicago this week talking about misinformation. I note other misinformation conferences are planned. My first thought on this is that, folks, misinformation is not new. As a graduate of the University of Maine, let me make my point using the rallying cry for the Spanish-American War. Remember the Maine. The USS Maine was a U.S. battleship sunk in the Havana Harbor in 1898. But did it sink or was it sunk? Good question, and over the years, multiple investigations have come to inconclusive or contradictory findings. At this point, I think many would agree it sunk from an internal explosion, which means it was an accident. Why does the sinking of the USS Maine matter? Leading papers like the New York Journal and the New York World gave the USS USS Maine sinking tremendous coverage. I will quote from Wikipedia, and I ask in advance if it sounds familiar. Both Papers exaggerated and distorted any information they could obtain, sometimes even fabricating news when none that fitted their agenda was available. For a week following the sinking, the journal devoted a daily average of eight and a half pages of news, editorials, and pictures to the event. Its editors sent a full team of reporters and artists to Havana, including Frederick Remington. Well, not the only reason for the Spanish-American War of 1898, the sinking, sunking of the USS Maine played a major factor. Misinformation sells paper and hurts people. Disinformation has been out there probably since Adam denied eating the apple to God, though I did not pull out the Bible to make sure that is accurate, so this may be an example of misinformation. We should check, doubt, and wonder if what we are told is true, or in context. Maybe the item is true, but it does it mean what they're spinning. 
At the misinformation conferences, I wonder if they will look inward. Yes, CNN can look at Fox News stories and say, gotcha, and Fox, if they're invited, can look at CNN and say, gotcha. Will they do any serious self-reflection? Look a few years back and ask how their stories aged. For example, the show notes has a link to an article by Chris Kahn in 2019 discussing a Reuters-Ipsos poll that found after the Mueller report came out, almost half of all Americans believe Trump colluded with Russia. Will the mainstream media stand up, own that, and say we got the coverage wrong and are to blame for the Americans thinking that way? Or will Fox News look at some of the outlandish election fraud charges and give us a full-throated oops? We need some quality control. Not those real-time fact-checkers on Facebook that think they can fact-check a prediction and appear to have a bias. No, I mean assess their own major stories, and I'm going to use a favorite Kamala Harris phrase here, after the passage of time. See how well the story's aged. With that in mind, as promised yesterday, I'm going to reveal the results of my own quality control look at what I wrote on Ukraine over the last two years before offering new sites on Ukraine at a later date. The initial document was 30 pages long, and I still probably missed some Ukraine comments. I'm leaving out of the summary some of the blow-by-blow daily war stuff and concerns and stories about the people. Certainly, I don't mean to minimize the people, but I want to keep this as short as possible. I will say I've been awed by the will of the Ukrainian people and of their leader. The people of Poland deserve a shout-out because they have taken in millions, literally into their homes. I also left out any comments on Ukraine and Biden that involved Hunter Biden and corruption, though, and those would have been several years back. Deciding how to organize this was not easy. Uh, I probably left things out I should include, and I apologize in advance, but I did make a good faith effort to do it fairly. Let's get how I treated Biden out of the way first. Here are the five times I singled Biden out. You be the judge. December 8th, 2021, uh, 2021, Biden warned Putin over Ukraine. The next day, Biden said we would not use force to defend Ukraine, and I said Biden should have kept that to himself. January 20, 2022, Biden said a minor incursion would not be so bad. I bet he wants to walk that one back. February 28, 2022, I say, quote, Biden and his team seem to be doing okay. I'm not sure Putin would have gone into Ukraine like he did if we had shown a little more strength and competence in Afghanistan, but still, Biden's doing fine. They seem to be ramping up sanctions in a strong, thoughtful, collaborative way, end quote. On March 30, 2022, I noted that Biden got pissy at a CBS reporter recently who asked him, quote, Sir, deterrence didn't work. What makes you think Vladimir Putin will alter course based on the action that you've taken today? End quote. Biden responded that he never said sanctions would deter Putin. I commented, well, his vice president did and his press secretary did. In the fall, moving on, in the fall of 2020, I talked about the Ukraine as a potential spark for World War III and used the start of World War I in the Balkans as an example. In April, November, and December of 2021, I covered the Russian military buildup. More like this in the early months of 2022. I talked a lot about Putin. I mean a lot. I can't get it all in here. Some of his motivations I feel, some of the comments on his motivations I feel was worth it and is below. A lot was in response to Trump saying Putin was smart. Uh, Feels now like I wasted time. 
I don't want to waste your time on the smart comments, so I will summarize my thoughts this way. Trump said Putin was evil and smart, and to beat him, we had to be smart. He said Putin was smart before the invasion, but Putin made a mistake when he invaded and was not smart. Why we have to talk about an ex-president saying that is beyond me, but here I am doing it, so I am part of the problem. Back to Putin. In December, I said Putin did not like NATO adding new countries closer and closer to Russia. He said if the West would give him security guarantees, it would affect his decision on Ukraine. I said Putin had a point. I tried to understand Putin's motivation. I said he hates the shrinking of the Russian Empire and wants to recreate the Soviet Empire. Ukraine is part of that plan, and Ukraine would also be a good buffer. I said maybe some of the West's comments over the last few years have th seemed threatening to Putin the madman. I said Putin was following the push against mush until you meet steel approach. Yeah, I heard that one somewhere else. Many times I said Putin was awful. January 25th, 2022, I said Putin is smart. What is his endgame? To see if we had the backbone to defend Ukraine or impose se severe sanctions? Will politics at home allow him to be deterred, or will he fear losing face? Maybe I overrate him, but I feel he is playing chess, but I don't understand the pieces and the moves. I have seen Americans accused of treason for some of the comments I made above. I'm fine with my comments. Some of them might, and I emphasize might, have saved lives if followed. On MIGs, no-fly zones, and aid. I was against the no-fly zone from the start, though wishy-washy. At first, I thought the transfer of Polish MiGs was a good idea, but then changed my mind. I supported most other kinds of military and non-military aid. Guns, ammo, anti-tank, and anti-plane missiles. On sanctions, I talked many times about the ongoing sanction discussions and implementations. I, suggest, I suggested sanctions don't work as well against a strong man because he does not care if his people suffer. I supported the sanctions, but also cautioned that using financial sanctions could have a long-term effect on the U.S. dollar standing as a world reserve currency. I made some predictions. In January, I made the prediction that Russia would create a provocation and use that to slice off a slice off a portion of Ukraine, just small enough so our reaction would be minimal. Yeah, I know. I'm not really going that far out there. A lot of people said that. In late February, I made another prediction, though the wording makes me think I missed one. Quote, a few weeks ago, I said Putin would cleave off a couple of the separate eastern provinces that are already pro-Russian. Based on the last four days, I was wrong. Absolutely wrong. The attack plan was much larger in scope. It also suggested Putin thought Russian troops would be welcomed as liberators, though I may be exaggerating. Now that the troops are bogged down and the world is telling Putin he sucks, I wonder if he will back up to the eastern provinces. The big question is, is Putin rational? He may have gone truly nutty. Or he may want people to think he's nutty with a shaky finger near the nuclear button so he can strike a better deal. March 3rd, 2022. Will this end soon? Will it end in a few months after Ukrainian cities have turned to rubble, or will a low-grade guerrilla war go on for years? I'm guessing Putin and Ukraine are trying to show how serious and committed to the struggle each are so that the other will be more reasonable in negotiations and that the, way, the war may sort of end soon. I desperately want Putin to take an off-ramp, but don't want the U.S. to eliminate all sanctions against Putin Russia. 
I'm one of those folks I complain about that isn't realistic in terms of what deals our leaders can reach. I could go on and include comments about China, Taiwan, etc., but this gives a flavor. Since they were my words and my distillation, I think I will leave the conclusions to others. For me, though, it meets my minimum threshold where I feel okay commenting on Ukraine moving forward. Thanks for listening to Views on the News from the Couch. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends. If you do not like it, please share with the rest of the folks you know.